Uh, so I was saying, we're in between sermon series. Um, and so in sitting and praying about what this sermon was about, um, this was rough. Um, the prep for the sermon was actually more challenging than I enjoy, um, primarily because it was really personal. Um, and so it's not about me. It really is for us. But I just recognize, you know, sometimes when you're doing something and you're working on something and there's parts of it that are like, ooh, that's kind of in my backyard. Okay, so uh, the title of the sermon is Holy Unhealed. Um, <laughs> the title is Holy Unhealed. will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Um, before we jump into it, oh, I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll go. So, Father, uh, thank you for your word. You are with us, your spirit. But also, God, you guide us in scripture. You shape our hearts. You correct us. And ultimately, Lord, um, you're with us. And we are grateful for that. And so, Lord, we, we have no other anticipation than, God, your presence with us. And that in and of itself, God, is transformation in our lives. God, may everything that I say bring you glory and honor and build up this body in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're actually going to jump right into this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, so I want to give you a little bit of backdrop, um, right? So Paul is the person that's writing this letter. And I all like if I enjoy saying this because it's a reminder to me that reading something like 2 Corinthians literally is logging into someone else's email and reading the letter that someone else sent to them. It was not written to any one of us. However, it was left for us. It's been recorded over and over again, written down by scribes who their only job was making sure that you got this email <laughs> from Paul to Corinth. And so there is some relevance for us, even in what Paul is saying, even though it wasn't written to us. And I think a big piece of this, even the backdrop, Paul is talking about, ultimately in this part of the, the letter, he's talking about where we find our um, sense of confidence, right? He's going to use this word boast. And sometimes when we think about boast, we're talking about bragging. And yes, there is an element to what Paul is talking about there, but it's really kind of not a part of the Christian tradition at all that we're like prideful and braggy. That's just kind of not our thing. It's not really about bragging, but it is about this sense of confidence and where do you have your assurance? And that's kind of where Paul is right now. So he starts off this chapter. Before this, he was saying, I don't want to boast. I don't want to boast. But then he says, this boasting will do no good, but I must go on. Because he's about to actually get into talking about something that he could put his confidence in. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Don't ask me what the third heaven was. I didn't even know there was multiple. <laughs> but this is what Paul describes. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do, I do know 
that I was caught up into paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience was worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. I want to pause. I already told you the title of the sermon and also that there's a part of this that is pretty much kind of, it's just in my backyard. It's just super close. Ultimately, I'll give you the end of the sermon before we even get there. Paul is talking about this idea of having confidence in this, these spiritual experiences and even confidence in how mature he is and refusing to do so. Refusing to do so, but boasting in his weakness, which I'm going to be honest with you, not something I enjoy thinking about. It's just not. That's kind of not how our culture is set up even here. And I'm not just talking about American. I'm talking about us, Christian culture, right? Like even when you come in here, sometimes we come in here, somebody asks, how's it going? And we know that the week was garbage. <laughs> and we're like, ooh, God is so good. Let me tell you how he's moving. That's kind of what Paul is talking about. He's saying not actual, he's not going to talk about all the wonderful things, but he's going to talk about his weaknesses. He goes on saying, if I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. So a note that I got from this first little thing that's important for us to talk about as we build we want our faith to be known by spectacular events. That's just true of me. I see that also. That's true of us as the church. That's a part of why when things are going wrong and things are challenging for us, we still kind of put on the mask that things are good, that I'm good, God's good, we're fine. I smile, it's good. <laughs> and Paul is actually starting to check that thing inside of us. We want our faith to be known by spectacular events. Keep that in your mind. Let's keep going. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. I say, if I were paraphrasing that, talking about all of us, like we all have a bag. We have a bag of things that we carry around that we don't want anybody to see. A bag of temptations, a bag of problems, a bag of past trauma, a bag of emotional struggle, a bag of anxiety, a bag of depression, a bag of a limp, a bag of dot, dot, dot. We have something. Paul is describing that as a thorn in his flesh, and he doesn't tell us what it is, and I'm really glad he doesn't. 
because then that means you get to identify yours. What's your bag? What's your bag? And I'm not talking about the thing that just mildly irritates you. I'm not talking about the thing that when you it rub, uh, when somebody reminds you of it, it rubs you the wrong way and you kind of have to kind of breathe through it and no. I'm talking about the thing that you would do this, the next verse. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, that thing. Amen. That's the thing that I'm talking about is the thorn in the flesh piece. That's the thing that I'm talking about. And even his language before when he says a tormentor from Satan, which let's, I'm not going to begin to try to unpack all of the theological pieces of that puzzle, but just the idea that there's something that is in his life, in our lives, a bag, if you will, that is, we carry it around with us, reminding us of our humanity, but also keeping me humble. That thing. Some of you already know what your thing is. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. The reason why this got so personal for me is because I actually remember being in this place. There was a time in my life where I could actually remember where I was in the first house that Christine and I lived in together. I was in this three-season room space, or excuse me, this little room off of our dining room on the carpet crying and like begging God to take away dot, dot, dot. Like I remember not care. I remember losing where I was for a second. And just, I mean, crying. And I went, I mean, I got up and the carpet was wet. <laughs> I'm talking about that kind of thing. And God just simply saying no. No. I remember being with my accountability partner. And like, we are going to fast this thing away. <laughs> we are going, like, if we just keep on praying, if we just keep on asking, if we just, Holy Spirit, no. Three different times. I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I got to pause there because even though there's more in that verse, I'm going to be honest with you and say there's a lot of times where that's actually not a sufficient response from God, in my opinion. Let's just be real. If you know what your thing is, you know that thing you've been carrying around, that thing that you won't say out loud, but to two people, that thing that you won't even really talk about with God for real, because the idea of exposing it even to God is just overwhelming. That thing. <laughs> Take it away, God. My grace is sufficient. I don't want your grace. <laughs> I don't want your grace. I want you to take it. 
My grace is sufficient. I do not want your grace. Like I'm talking decades long argument with God kind of stuff. And God's response is, my grace is sufficient. The reason why I can specifically say I don't want your grace is because I actually remember saying that to God. I don't want your grace. I just want you to take it. Paul continues, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. (laughs) That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That first little note was we want our faith to be known by spectacular events, but a second note is God wants our faith to be known by a pattern dependence upon his grace, which is not something I enjoy. Just being real. I really like being able to say I can do it. I just do. I like being able to say I can do it. It's something that has been around since probably my, when I was a toddler. I can do it. <laughs> I want even my faith to not be dependent upon God. <laughs> I'm just being real. And I think the more, that, the more that I've sat with this, the more, honestly, the more vulnerable this is for me. I think the more vulnerable this is for all of us, that the truth of how God wants our faith to be defined is not by moments where we touch somebody and they got healed. Not by the fact that I prayed for 10 years for something and the Lord did it. Not by the fact that when somebody, when somebody did wrong to me, I didn't repay them for evil. That's not actually how the Father designed or desires for our faith to be known. It is that even when God won't take away what I want him to take away or won't do what I want him to do, I still trust upon his grace for my ability to actually stay functioning today. Which is not what I want. I want him to just take it away. I want him to just take it away. And to sit in that for a second. That's why the title of the sermon is Holy Unhealed. Because there are moments in which we attach this idea of healed and holy, like whole, not H-O-L-L, or not H-O-L-E, but whole, as in a full, complete. The idea that once God heals me or the idea that once God takes away this struggle or the idea that once God sets me free and delivers me from X, Y, Z, then I will be whole. And that's actually not God's intent. Not every time. Sometimes God's intent is that you would actually, while you actually aren't healed, while you actually haven't been delivered from that, while you haven't.
Only way in which that you're functioning today is because of the time. And so there is something about what Paul is talking about and something that I feel like we can gather from it that is to detach the idea of healed and whole because they're not synonymous. Same. Sometimes they run together, but I, they're like the same thing. You know what I mean? Like they were born around the same time and they look alike, but they're not really the same thing. And it is more like the character of God for my faith to be built by spectacular events, but my faith to be sustained by things. Which is really, really hard. I'm gonna give you just this picture, this example. Jesus was crucified, nailed on the cross. He dies, is put in the grave. He rises on the third day. He go, he sees Mary, tells Mary, go tell my brothers that I'm up. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. That feels disjointed, but I only want to highlight one thing. Jesus there's something about that that I just don't like. <laughs> I told you it's in my backyard, and honestly, I'm still growing here. I'm still growing here. And what I mean by that is I really do not want cuts on my side, and I don't want, I don't want you to see anything that is any way a resemblance of a scar that somebody did to me when I was a kid. I don't want you to see it. I don't want you to see it. I don't want any evidence of it. I don't want you to smell it. I don't want, I do not want that in any way to be the way in which people know me. I do not want that. That's a confession. It's a part of why I've sat and argued with God for decades. Will you just take this? No. Because of this kind of stuff where Jesus shows up with cuts on the side and holes in his hands because for whatever reason in the wisdom of God it is more important that people see that glorification doesn't actually look like healed it doesn't look like put together all the time and it doesn't matter that I can say it quickly the journey to actually desiring that is not something that is quick for any person. Amen. Real talk, I'm just getting to a place where I'm okay with it. Just getting to a place. And the conviction that set in this week was this next little note. Don't miss wholeness while looking for your healing. Don't 
miss wholeness while looking for your healing. A part of the sadness of this is I can look back and actually see that I'm quite a bit more steady now than I was when I was 28. But a part of that is because I wasn't, I'm no longer fighting God about something that he's not trying to take. And there's a wholeness that comes with actually trusting that God has it. There is a sense of confidence that Paul is talking about that I won't boast in all the spectacular things. I won't boast in all of the things that have happened, all the wonderful things that I've done for Jesus. I don't actually even want to talk about that much because the end of the day, if you really want to know where my faith is, it's in the fact that I still have the echoes of this pain and God is sustaining me because I'm not hurting people in the same way. That's actually more like God's wholeness. That adage, hurt people, hurt people, does not apply to me because of God. But here's the truth. It will apply to me if I keep trying to ask God to take it away. And I keep trying to figure out a way to make me not live in it. And I keep trying to find a way to kind of shut the echo up. If I just say every single time the echo comes up, Father, I need you. Because of that, a pattern gets broken that I cannot break on my own. And the honest truth to what that is, is that glorifies God more than it being taken away from me. It just does. That's painful because that means how long will I have to carry this bag? I don't know. I wish I could say it out loud. I wish I could tell you how long you'll have to carry your bag. I wish I could tell you that, oh, yeah, we got like from the moment that it happened, we got a good 70 years and then it's done. I wish I could tell you. No, there's no equation. And quite honestly, I've stopped asking. Because God already said no three times. And. To be truthful, as much as I don't like it, I'm starting to see the fruit for other people's lives. And that's not something that can be there if the pain isn't there, if the echoing isn't there. And this is what it is to be whole. Later in that chapter in John, Thomas isn't present. And the only way that Thomas knows that Jesus rose from the grave is being able to touch the scars. There are people who will only know that God is real based upon the pain that you've experienced and the echoes that are still happening in your life and your faith and trust in God to be with you through all of that trash. There are people whose faith is stimulated by you regularly taking the meds or going to counseling or going to the prayer meeting or doing whatever it is that you've got to do to be together. Not because you have the power to do so, but because you're trusting God in this process. And the only way in which they will see faith lived out fully is not that you said that you were good this morning, is that you said This week has been rough. And I'm trusting God 
for the peace that I need to make it through today. There's some people whose faith will only be stimulated by you saying you want to go back to the pattern of your own coping mechanisms, but you're trusting God not to. You don't have those? Okay, well, <laughs> let me take, take like a half an hour inventory. We all got coping mechanisms. We all have things. If it's not smoking, it's eating too much. If it's not eating too much, it's doing something else. And if we are going to live in a pattern of wholeness, that means sometimes I want to do the thing that just allows me to numb, but God, I want to trust you through this. And somebody actually, their faith, is actually stimulated by that. Don't miss wholeness while looking for your healing. Something that is joyful, sometimes whole and healed come together. I had to separate, I had to define the two. Whole is this idea that I'm lacking nothing. I don't have to push or strive or abstain. I get to just be confident in the goodness and grace of God. I want that to come in. I don't have any struggles, and that's what healed is. I don't have a limp. That's healed. Right? I don't have a a unique temptation that sets everybody off. That's healed. I don't have echoes of my trauma, that's healed. I don't have scars, that's healed. And the truth is, I want that kind of whole more than I want the whole of, I have a limp and God is sustaining me. I'm disturbed, but God is sustaining me. Whole involves also this idea of when when God's not taking it away, it involves y'all too. Because there is some hole that is, I want to be able to do it by myself, but I actually need my sister. (laughs) I actually need my brother. See, hole isn't that I have it all by myself. It just means I'm not lacking anything. That's a beautiful part of what community is, is because when I'm struggling with dot, 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 I have people in my life and I'm not lacking anything. But a part of what it is for us in, this, in the challenge of this and a part of why it's in my backyard is the truth is I really wanted to just be within me. I want to be able to be able to say I did it. And I'll give God a little credit and nobody else needs to get any. I pulled myself up. I got it. But whole simply means not lacking. And sometimes they come together. But even when God isn't healing, God is always holing. And that's a real word. I looked it up. That's, that is a real word. I Googled it. <laughs> I was like, holing? That doesn't sound like a real word. It's a real word. It's this idea that if I'm focused only on God, heal me, God, take this, God, deliver me from this, then I'm missing that God actually in this whole process is making me whole. 
God is giving me the confidence and he's giving me the assurance and the interdependence upon the people that are with me in this process because God is also holding them too. And he's using me to hold them and them to hold me. (laughs) Not lacking. So some of you are like, Chase, your situation isn't the same as mine. You're right, it's not. Some of us have a way heavier bag than others. I'm not going to pretend that they're all the same and that we should all even look at them as the same. They're not. Some of our bags are ridiculously heavy. But I can say a pattern of how God is, is to make you whole regardless of how heavy your bag is. And as long as we are continuing to trust that grace, that whole process, that becoming whole process, God's faithful. Regardless of how heavy it is, God is faithful. You're like, well, sometimes then what does that mean in terms of if I don't want to do what God wants to do? Listen, none of us do. I don't care how heavy or how light your bag is. Nobody wants to continue to carry their cross. If it's okay for me to blow up some, some, of our, some of our thoughts, even Jesus didn't want to carry the cross at first, right? So if you kind of read in those gospels, he asked three times, like, if there's any other way we can do this, Father. <laughs> like, if, if I, just, I mean, if there's any other way that we can make this happen, nevertheless, let your will be done. But if we can figure out another way, Nevertheless, that your will be done. Just checking, God. Is there another way? (laughs) Here's what I want you to to take away in that, though, is that you get to be completely vulnerable with it. Go ask three times. Jesus did, Paul did, I did, probably did more than three, to be honest. (laughs) Go. Go ask multiple times. And when the answer for you is, my grace is sufficient, Keep on saying, God, I do not have what it takes to make this happen. Because I just want to cuss and burn stuff. (laughs) Do you feel like God is in any way surprised by that? He's not. God, I just really want to smoke right now. Do you think God's surprised by that? God, I just want to drink right now. Do you think God's surprised by that? I think that's the thing about what this is. God's not surprised by any of it. So a part of this process is just saying it out loud. God, this is what I want. And I need your help to not want what I want. I need your help to not live in what I want. I need your grace. I don't have any hope beyond that for you other than the pattern is that what God said to Paul is true. It's true today, too. Know what your bag is. Knowing what your bag is, knowing what your thing is, is empowering 
empowering so when that moment happens, you can say, God, there it is. Help me. I'm struggling. Help me. And when you trip, not if, when, because that's what humans do, we trip over our bags. When you trip, remember the same God that says that my grace was sufficient for you not tripping is the same God that's like my grace is sufficient after you trip too. <sighs> God, I tripped. Let me tell you the pattern. The more we involve God with this process, the more we involve Christ in this journey of us carrying and tripping, the more the anxiety goes down. And the more that I get to just live confidently in, God's not leaving. He'll sit with me in this. And if God will sit with me in this, then I don't have to figure it out by myself. And if I don't have to figure it out by myself, and I'm not known by how well I can carry this bag, but how well I can trust God with the bag, peace becomes my life. That's whole Fam, that's whole. Even if I still have the bag, that's whole. That's the pattern that God wants. That's the abundance that God wants. And then when you're walking next to somebody whose bag looks a lot like yours, then you get to be with them and say, let me show you how I obtain peace. Let me tell you how I get to have joy this morning. It's not because the bag is gone. It's because... Real talk, I'm not the only one carrying this anymore. <laughs> Even when God isn't healing, God is always holing. So I want to give you a little bit of time. It won't be a long time, but there's a prayer playlist that's there. Could you play that just for a second? Your bag your thing. If you were in Paul's shoes, what would you be asking God to take away three times? What have you not wanted God to say no to? <laughs> I'm going to ask you about all these other things so that I never have to hear you say no about that. The insecurity, the pain, I'm going to tell you to confess it out loud because you might not be in a place where you're ready for that yet, and that's okay. But I do want you to have that in your mind for a moment. And if you can imagine that thing or that, those things in like this burlap sack, it's ugly, and you do not want to carry it around. It's revolting. It disgusts you to even look at it. And it causes you pain every time you remember it. And I want you to imagine yourself actually getting close to it and picking it up. 
as you offer it to the Father? God, please either take it, because you can, or give me grace to wear it well because you're able. Let me tell you right now, that journey is not a short one just because we can imagine it in our minds. But it is a sure one. It's not short, but it is sure. And when, not if, when I'm reminded of the pain or frustration, Holy Spirit, help me. Period. Help me. When I feel like it's overwhelming me, Holy Spirit, help me. I need your grace to live as I desire, to live as you would have me live in fullness. And if I'm not there yet, God, can you carry this for me until I'm ready to carry it? because I'm not there yet. Some of you have prayer partners that you have here. Some of you have people in your life whom you pray with or I want to lovingly challenge you to let them be with you in it. Tell them. Tell them what the bag is. Tell them what's there. It doesn't have to be today. It can be. Work yourself into that space where you can begin to expose that and trust God with it and trust people with it too, which is not easy. I get it. So, Father, you know all these bags that we've got. You know all this stuff that we carry, these insecurities and these pains. God, we ultimately want to get to a place where we can live as Paul was encouraging. The thorn in my side, I'm trusting your grace for. Help us get there. Help us be there to live whole, even if we're not yet healed. To live in peace, even if I'm still disturbed sometimes. Give us grace, God, 
to live this out in a way that is also fruit for our neighbors and our loved ones, God. We trust you with it. In Jesus' name, amen.